Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, everyone. The first podcast to bring you insurance news and an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. And this week's podcast is sponsored by VPay, the total payment solution. I'm Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering social inflation how it's affecting the property casualty insurance industry, and ways to identify and respond to shifting trends. Plus, building codes. Which state ranks highest in the IBHS Reading the States report? But first, a new law in Illinois allowing plaintiffs to collect 6% pretrial interest has been signed by Governor J.B. Pritzker after he previously vetoed an earlier version of the legislation. The pre-trial interest money will go to plaintiffs in personal injury and wrongful death lawsuits in civil court. Hospitals, healthcare providers, and insurers are typical defendants in these cases. Before the passage of the legislation, plaintiffs received 9% interest only post-judgment in Illinois. Now, additional interest on monetary awards is retroactively applied from the time the lawsuit is filed to the time a judgment is made in favor of the plaintiff. NAMIC Regional Vice President Andrew Perkins says the new law will be harmful to small businesses and will overcrowd the Illinois court system. While NAMIC appreciates that the governor did not accept the 11th hour lame duck bill that would have set the prejudgment interest rate to 9%, We are still disappointed that the governor chose to accept the new version, Senate Bill 72, over Memorial Day weekend. Senate Bill 72 is a bill that will still harm businesses and policyholders at a rate of 6% interest. It goes directly against the governor's comments on helping to restore Illinois' economy. If Illinois is going to have prejudgment interest, it needs to be tied to the federal rate at 3.25%. Right now, there are 47 states, including Illinois, that have some form of pretrial interest for court winnings. Pritzker said he did not support the previous version of the bill because its rate of 9% interest was significantly higher than other states with similar laws. In Washington, the Biden administration issued an executive order titled Climate-Related Financial Risk. The new order instructs federal regulatory agencies to measure, mitigate, and disclose risks to the solvency of financial services companies that can be attributed to climate change. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who leads the Financial Stability Oversight Council, has 180 days to deliver a report assessing risks to the financial system and to the U.S., The order also instructs the Federal Insurance Office to assess climate-related issues in its oversight of insurers, specifically the gaps in the supervision and regulation of insurers and the potential for major disruptions of private insurance coverage in areas particularly vulnerable to climate change impacts. Stakeholders are still eager to see climate financial risk fleshed out, including what it actually means what assumptions about climate change should be used to measure risk, how it can and should be reduced, and how and what regulations could bring that about. Well, it's now the start of the 2021 hurricane season, and the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety has released its latest edition of Rating the States. The report scores the 18 Atlantic and Gulf Coast states vulnerable to hurricanes, 
The rankings are based on a set of questions related to statewide building code adoption, administration and enforcement, and contractor licensing requirements. This year, Florida again takes the top spot for strongest building codes, with Virginia following just one point behind. The report also provides a roadmap each state can follow to improve residential building regulations and reduce the cycle of repeated losses from severe weather events. It's likely to be an invaluable tool for policymakers assessing newly available funds in FEMA's Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Grant Program. Many of you have already heard the term social inflation, and you probably know how complicated and costly it can be. That's why NAMIC has partnered with Jen Rhee on a five-part series to gain a deeper perspective of the social inflation landscape and its underlying causes. On today's Unscripted, our Chuck Chamness talks with Jen Rhee's Ridge Muley about how social inflation is affecting the property casualty insurance industry and how to identify and respond to shifting trends. Joining me today on Insurance Unscripted is Ridge Muley, Jen Rhee's Senior Vice President and North American Treaty Manager of the Mutual Practice. The Jen Rhee team has recently partnered with NAMIC to author a five-part series on social inflation and what the industry can do to address this growing concern. Thanks for joining us today, Ridge. Chuck, so nice to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I want to hey, give you um, Quick plug, I, yeah. I took my ride up to Connecticut today, yesterday, and uh, kudos to you and Kathy and the NAMIC team because um, there's been some great podcasts you guys have put out recently, and two that jumped out to me was the March one with Dr. Bob. I mean, I just love getting his perspective on the industry, which is just wonderful. And then uh, John yeah. Smith in April was just great. He, John shared that story about Tayshawn at one of the PAMIC meetings, and the, I mean, he almost had people in tears about that story, and I think the amount of money they raised just even that night was impressive. So kudos to you guys for getting some great speakers, and hopefully I can, you know, fill some of that same void that those guys did. So thank you for that. Oh, yeah. You definitely will, Ridge, and uh, I totally agree. Those were two of the best. And uh, so anyone who wants to go back and check them out, they're in your podcast feed somewhere. But uh, let's make this podcast here. And the topic, of course, you know, social inflation. Let's lead off by just talking about nuclear jury ver verdicts. Um, you know, social inflation describes a phenomenon of rapidly increasing damage awards and the effect it's had on insurance markets which we know will eventually metastasize in the form of higher premiums for policyholders, which nobody wants. But um, maybe you could just start by giving us a scope of how serious and how prevalent uh, this problem of social inflation is. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's front of mind for us, Chuck. I mean, as you can imagine, as a reinsurer, where we sit in the equation, you know, this is the stuff we're most concerned about, the stuff that goes completely vertical. Um, I mean, you mentioned nuclear verdicts, and that's really, you know, just for definition reasons, that's really anything, you know, outside of $10 million in terms of a verdict. And then you have subnuclear, which is about 10, you know, five to $10 million. But what we've seen is just an incredible uptick in that activity, you know, just to give you some perspective. Our, our not, you know, COVID had an impact on this because the courts were slowed down or the courts were closed. Uh, but we got some numbers from 19. Um, just in commercial trucking alone, um, there, was, there was 10 cases that were in excess of $10 million and they were ranging from 25 to $280 million. So when you see those types of numbers, it's, it's something that we're incredibly concerned about. 
Um, we got together as a senior management team yesterday, and it always seems to come up, and we've got our claims team working on it, even our legal folks working on it. So um, we just hope that we can add value to some of the firms that we trade with or, or some of the prospects that we know in the hopes that we can manage these things a little bit better because it's not getting any better anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, and we'll certainly be part of the solution on that too. And also I'd give credit to uh, Charlie, your chairman, who uh, spoke at a meeting I attended recently and you know he talked about the trucking impact and really that it's not just an insurance issue it has a potential to destroy the entire trucking industry if things don't change because it is a big problem there you know um part one of the series we've been working on though came out last month i think and it, it talked about severity drivers can you briefly go over some of the you know possible explanations that you and your team have uh, have identified that attribute to the rise in social inflation yeah, yeah, it came out May 5th, I think was the date, and we worked on that. My colleague, Craig Beardsley, who's our chief underwriting officer in the mutual, mutual practice, and John Bergner from your team, we worked on this together. And I think that you're, I'm glad you brought that up because it's the stuff that's behind it is the stuff that I think we need to really try and better understand as an industry. Um, so the first one being economic disparity. Um, I think that's only gotten worse during COVID. I mean, um, you think about your white collar friends and how they performed uh, during COVID, a lot of those folks had pretty good success because they were able to stay home and continue to work, but maybe some of the folks who were in the service industries and stuff really didn't have that same opportunity. So that economic disparity continues to get worse. Lawyer advertising, that one jumps out to me because, you know, being at home more over the past, you know, 14 months, I would have lunch with my wife when my kids went back to school and she would see me just get so red faced when I would, we'd be sitting there eating lunch and watching the, the you know, the, the new news. And every commercial was a lawyer, you know what I mean? Every single one was out there trying to get results. So if, if people are getting bombarded with that, that's the first thing they're going to think about when they get in an accident. Um, reptile theory, you know, it's that concept of trying to get back to that subhuman or that subpart brain of that reptile brain of where people just think about their own safety. So it's really to villainize, you know, that, that, that defendant and what they did and how that can impact you and your community. Um, millennial jurors, um, Chuck, you know a bunch of those in your, in your household. Those folks have maybe some different perspectives on how, you know, big corporations, how they feel about big corporations. Um, a lot of those folks have struggled a little bit in this term, so the economic disparity impacts that group as well. Um, litigation and medical funding, which, as you mentioned, Charlie, as well as CARE, have talked about that a lot. Um, that's something we're watching closely, and it's something that gives us a lot of pause because now all of a sudden you're introducing a lot more people into that conversation. Uh, there's a lot more money involved, and you can get specialists involved in the case, or you can actually have really significant changes in the cost structure, especially for medical payments, and that's the, definitely concerning. Um, the defense bar disconnect, you know, that slippage within our industry, you know, we've got the same challenge in our claims and legal departments in, in insurance companies that we do in our underwriting and our marketing. We've got this shift um, of people moving through and, and retiring, and that new group of people maybe doesn't have quite as much experience um, with those folks. So making sure those people that are filling the, some of those seats have that same experience and can think about that a little bit better, and also know when to call an expert. That's something we've seen um, that needs to be considered. I mean, we want to all manage our costs, we understand that, but if you need to call an outside counsel to help you through a, a tough case, I think that's important. And also the triage part. If, if it looks like a case is going to get, you know, pretty vertical pretty quick, you know, when do you get the right person involved and who do you get involved? And then there's just all the emerging issue stuff. I mean, you think about, you know, traumatic brain injury and the ability to diagnose it, you know, pre-mortem. I think all that technology continues to get better over time. So those are just some of the things that we continue to follow, like kind of the behind the scenes stuff on social inflation. Wow, that is a great list. And, 
I could comment on support basically all those all those points. And of course, we see it at NAMIC as well because we have an insurance company, NAMICO, owned by our members and the association. And uh, in the professional liability space, we see all these things happening. And the fact that NAMICO, I just put a point on your point about the uh, claims people. You know, we do see occasionally uh, cases, uh, you know, that go to a jury where, you know, looking back with the benefit of hindsight, you see that might not have been the best choice. So knowing, you know, having judgment in the claims function about some of these cases that could potentially become nuclear verdicts is uh, clearly just one of the factors, but the one we see and try and work on a lot with uh, giving advice to our member policyholders. Yeah, and, and you think about so, that, very rarely does a case that goes long get better. I mean, can you manage it to yeah. where you get it closed, you get it done, and you just kind of, you know, hate to say it, but take your medicine and, and, you know, you get it done. But when anything that kind of stays out there for a long period of time or gets in front of a jury um, and the person's condition, you know, especially in BI, gets worse, it just, it, just, it, it snowballs. It really does. Right. And I should note, our uh, experience is also in part your experience because Jen Ree is a very good partner <laughs> in Amico and the fact coverage for our larger account. So thank you. You are right. Um, so um, in part two of the series, which comes out this week, uh, we'll yep. go a little deeper to the rise of third-party litigation funding, uh, which is often identified as one of the causes of social inflation. Um, we see it from, and we've worked to fight it on the public policy side, but how have you seen it accelerate in recent years? I mean, as I mentioned before, it's something that I think is a relatively newer phenomenon in the States. It's been, it's been overseas, especially in Europe, for, for a long time. Um, it's just that incentive really changes that, that situation where someone gets that opportunity to get the, the best specialist to come in and the best people to kind of start to think about the challenge. And, of course, the hard part is their motivations are very different because the larger the award, the better, more they're going to get paid, especially in the medical inflation. I mean, we've seen situations where, you know, the average cost of a medical procedure would be X, and what they're doing in that medical litigation funding is two or three times as much. So it just runs in a situation where the, 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 the register continues to ring and ring and ring and ring, and that's when you get those huge verdicts. So it's, it's something that is definitely um, more prevalent. Um, you can see the money going into that space, and that's fascinating to me, is that the amount of you know, hedge funds and, and, and folks that are getting into the space because they're looking for yield. They're looking for a place where they can go out and get some money, and this is something where you give you, if you take the risk, um, and you can do it. So it's 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 boggling to me. Um, but where are they going to go? Like that that expression, you know, you know, why do you go rob banks? Because that's where the money is. Well, why do you get in this situation? Because that's where the money is. It really is, and that's where you can see people chasing the money into this. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, you're manager of the mutual practice. Our trade association is made up of mutual insurers. Um, do you see any way that this trend impacts our segment of the market uh, differently than the rest of the market? And, and please, this isn't a slight at all, but I think there's a sophistication factor. You know, I mean, um, if you're a small mutual in a small town um, and your ability to get either outside counsel or inside counsel, I think, is different um, than if you were in a major metro. And I think that can drive some of the challenges that mutual companies run into. And that's when they need good partners. They need somebody who can help them think about those tough claims um, and help them navigate that. So that's where I see it. I mean, the, one of the most wonderful things about NAMIC is it's got companies of all shapes and sizes. Um, and I, I worry sometimes about the smaller ones um, and their ability to get that access to experts um, and their ability to do that. And, and it happens on the large size too. I mean, I guess I'll use this as a plug is that, um, you know, 
we've got a company that we've traded with that you know really thought they had it in hand. They thought it was the right situation, so they didn't go outside. And the verdict went the wrong way, and the claim was probably one of those ones they probably wanted to settle, end up in front of a jury, and, and it ended up going the wrong way. So there's the challenge that you have with a small company is that maybe you don't have the access to the experts, or maybe the people within your group have never just dealt with these super aggressive plaintiff lawyers. Um, and then there's the challenge of a big one that says, okay, we've got this under control, but it's moving so quickly. You know, you got to make sure that you're pinging your 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 your, your consultants, ping, pinging the people that you can. Hey, listen, this one seems really tough to me. Help me think through this. Help me do that. And that's what I think right. we do really well at Genry is get our claims folks um, that two head. We call it a two head. You know, where a, a, a claims executive at a you know mutual insurance company says, man, I've never seen this defect. You know, this plaintiff number one or this plaintiff lawyer. And number two, I've never seen this case go this way this quickly or whatever the circumstance is. You know, help me think through this. What should I do? And that's where we kind of come in and I think can add some value to that conversation. You know, generally we're all yeah. claims and underwriting, so that's what we do. So um, we've got a new VP of, of claims who's got some large company experience. Um, but he joined us, a gentleman named Glenn Frankel, and he's, he's, he's passionate about this and he's gotten a lot of good experience in this and so a lot of our other claims executives. So I think that's where I see it hitting our space the most is just that little bit. I've never seen it hit my town like this or my, I haven't seen places, cases that go this way. Yeah, yeah. So what else? I mean, most of our listeners are, you know, insurance execs from within the NAMIC membership. What can they do to address social inflation? What kind of tactics can uh, can be used to combat its effects? I mean, I think it's the it's the consultation approach, but I think it's education. You know, I think it's the situation that just understanding what the risk is that you're taking on, um, and making sure that you understand the space, and that's not just the education. I mean, NAMIC does a wonderful job with this, and I know you get so many people that lean in on your content, even the, you know, especially even the virtual stuff. Just make sure your teams are getting consistently educated on this stuff, because again, I mentioned before, it's moving quickly, and it continues to move quickly. Um, so what you thought was the case six months ago might be very different now. Um, so I really encourage companies to think about that, getting with the trade groups and start to think about making sure their teams are well-educated um, and work their way through that. And, you know, talk to your peers. You know, what are they seeing? Have they had those tough cases? And what do they learn? Sometimes the, the most, learn, most learning you can do is getting through one of those tough cases and asking mm -hmm. a colleague or asking, uh, you know, one of your peers, what have you guys seen? What happened in that bad case? What, what was different than a case that was similar to that before and why did it get so vertical? So um, that's just some yep. of the stuff I think about, Chuck. That's what we're doing too, is we're just trying to make sure we're listening to the right people, getting in the right rooms and getting the right conversations. Yeah, good advice. So. Last question, really not a question. Just give me a uh, sense of what we can expect in the rest of this uh, five-part series. Yeah, so um, first of all, thank you to your team. Um, we're working with John, Tom Car uh, John Bergner, Tom Carroll, and Andrew Pauly, which is wonderful, and we do appreciate that ability to um, partner with you guys on this. Uh, we They're an all-star group. Our biggest brains have been uh, lent to collaborate with you. Thank you, we appreciate that, and we're recognizing that very quickly. Um, but we're just excited because this is again the group think is the think that we think is I'm sorry the group think is the one that we value the most is getting perspective from other other people that you respect and you like and you know are in the space so you know the first one's out that was out May 5th and that was just kind of what we were seeing um, the second one which I think comes out this week is the economic drivers that's working with some of our actual staff our new chief actuary Brett Sherrick and Chris McAprang. Um and that's just kind of like look at the numbers what are the numbers telling us what is the information telling us. Um, the next one will be legal and regulatory. Um, so our chief counsel, Andrew Gifford, is working with Andrew and then Mindy Pollack from our side as well. You know, what's changing in the legal environment? What's cooking? You know, and what, what, what are the things that we see, 
you know, how far is the reptilian theory getting through the plaintiff's, you know, the plaintiff's bar? How quickly are those folks learning it? How quickly are they applying it? And then what's the defense counsel doing in response? Um, the claims perspective, as I mentioned, Glenn and then Tim Fletcher is going to get on that one with Andrew. Um, that's where I think the rubber's hitting the road. And, you know, can you learn from past experiences? Can you, you know, find those red flags of cases that you know you've got to address quickly and get out in front of and get the right team in, in place? And then the last one's that road ahead. So that's where Tim Fletcher, I think, he's our, he's our um, emerging issue specialist. Um, that's where he really shines, is what do we need to think about down the road and what's this going to look like? It's, we have no crystal ball, full disclosure, but we do have some ideas of the stuff that's going to be bubbling up to continue to bubble up, bubble up and get worse. So that's kind of that in a nutshell, and our hope, I think, is to have it done by around convention. I mean, we're kind of on a good pace now, and our hope is to kind of be doing that. So just stay tuned. And um, if you guys have any questions or want to get part of the want to be part of the conversation, please don't hesitate to reach out to us or the, the folks at NAMIC. Well, thanks so much, Rich. Thanks for the work. Genry is uh, one of our very best partners across the board, but uh, this is important work that we're doing together. And uh, we really appreciate what you've already produced and what is yet to come in this series uh, on social inflation. And thanks for being a guest on the podcast today. My pleasure, Chuck. Look forward to seeing you soon. Maybe about a month, right, when we're down there at the Green Bar. Looking forward to that. Exactly. First uh, return of the in-person meeting. Start with Greenbrier for uh, CO Roundtables and Management Conference. Uh, there's also claims, I think, coming up in Florida next month. So uh, we're excited about all of that. We are. Thanks, Rich. My pleasure. Thanks, Chuck. Take care. And that's a wrap for us on Insurance Uncovered. Thank you again to VPay, the total payment solution, for sponsoring this episode. We'll be back again on June 16th with more insurance news and interviews. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a wonderful day.